2: Welcome. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. You know our show. It's where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Today's show is going to be special because we actually have a guest in the studio rather than on the phone.
3: Our good friend, Steve Travers, longtime Bay Area sports writer. uh and he actually has done a lot more than just write about sports. And we're going to talk uh, a number of topics with, with Steve today. So we're going to have some fun.
2: And I like the fact that he's in here because yeah. sometimes when we cut to a commercial break, I have to cut these guys off when they're on the phone. Yeah. Hey,
3: hey, 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 Billy Bean, Billy Bean, hold on a
2: second. You know, come back. You've got to ask these questions. Okay. Uh,
3: it's got to so, be done. It's got to be done. And since uh, Sorry, Edward. I have yeah, to go. trade
2: Cocoa Crisp. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that was Steve Travers. That's right. And uh, at every commercial break, we're going to ask a trivia question and the theme is baseball records because as i remember steve you were a baseball player
4: that is absolutely correct okay
2: and uh, we have just a, a quick 30 seconds tell uh, how are you
4: involved with baseball well i played baseball my entire life um at redwood high school where uh, a few years after big bruce over here um on scholarship at the university of nevada coached at USC, uh, played in the Cardinals and the A's organizations, and have written numerous books on the history of this great game.
2: And that's uh, and since we're in the World Series now, we're going to talk about all that fun stuff. All right. This segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are still currently yielding 8% secured by Bay Area real estate. It doesn't get any more conservative than that. You've got to check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. And uh, before we cut to our uh, first commercial break, uh, the Baseball World Series has been pretty good so far.
5: No
3: complaints. Kyle
2: that, Kyle Schwarber, man. Yeah, that that's,
3: uh, that's quite a story. I'm sure Steve will have some interesting thoughts and observations about that. But that, to me, has been one of the great stories.
2: All right. Yeah. So, again, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to interview Steve Travers, who's an author. who has got some uh, interesting articles that he's uh, written recently and a couple of books. Don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101 will be right back.
8: or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. Anything to help me with the pain, hey, makes it more manageable, gets my attention, folks. I love the free delivery and they take care of the paperwork for you. So if you have Medicare and need help for your back, ankle, knee, or shoulder, guess what?
9: It holds 20 million songs from 450,000 artists. Thousands of the best live radio stations, custom stations, and stations created just for you. It's anywhere and it's everywhere. Millions of songs, thousands of stations, one free app. iHeartRadio is that easy. Download the app today or listen online at iHeartRadio.com.
2: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, remind us, who is in the studio? Yeah,
3: we got Steve Travers, an old friend of ours, who has written a number of books about uh, the history of sports, especially about baseball, and he's written some really interesting books, uh, team-oriented books, about the Raiders and, you know, different uh, college teams like the USC Trojans, which, of course, is near and dear to his heart. And I know every time I talk to Steve, he's working on something new. What's the latest?
4: Well, I've got two things going. Um, I've got a magazine article at Gentry Magazine about a documentary, uh, which I'm sure you're familiar with, Bruce. It's about um, Joe, uh, Joe Roth, the, oh, the great yeah. Cal quarterback.
3: Yeah, who died tragically at the age of 21 of cancer
4: right. back in 77. Right, right. And that, and I've got a new book on the making of Apocalypse Now. Really? Yeah, so that's. Wow. We we veered away from sports and still has a USC theme Uh uh, to some extent, but it uh, is not sports related particularly.
3: Interesting. Apocalypse Now was one of those movies that really sort of grabbed the, the public imagination, and it was also sort of a breakthrough movie because there were a number of movies. That came out in the late seventies, early eighties about Vietnam, and that was one of them. But it was almost a surrealistic, kind of a a nightmarish quality to it. Uh, and, and of course, Martin uh, Marlon Brando just had a, a cameo role, but he kind of stole the movie, didn't he?
4: Well, absolutely. Marlon Brando uh, was. <laughs> I mean, the story of Brando in that movie really is is the theme of the movie. And he was unprepared. And he was overweight, and he didn't hadn't read. Heart of Darkness, and he hadn't read the screenplay. And he, in fact, very little, if anything, that he says in that movie is actually written down in, in really? a screenplay form. <laughs> unless it was maybe written down minutes before. Wow. Oh, wow. It was essentially, his dialogue is mainly extemporaneous conversations is that right? with Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
5: Wow.
2: And and where's the USC uh, relationship in that you said?
4: Well, the film started on the USC campus and was okay. the brainchild of both jo- uh, George Lucas and mm. uh, John Milius, who were best friends and filmmakers, aspiring filmmakers at USC. Mm. And they brought it to Francis Ford Coppola at Zoetrope in San Francisco. And that's where it, uh, it, it originally started and was funded. And the, the book details how it was defunded and then came back back to life because of Coppola's success with the Godfather movies.
3: It's interesting. You you mentioned the name Lucas. Everybody knows about him. But John Milius is one of those guys who's – anybody who has been around Hollywood knows this guy. Great, great writer. And one of my favorite movies, and it really wasn't that successful a movie, but it was about surfing called Big oh, Wednesday absolutely with Jan Michael Vinson and William Cat and uh, Gary Busey. It was made in about 1978. It was about these three guys growing up in Southern California mm-hmm. and their lives together and how they intertwined from 1962 to 1974. And the central theme was surfing. And it was just- But well, that's why you liked it so much. Yeah, absolutely. it was a
4: wonderful, wonderful the movie. The greatest surfing movie
3: yeah. probably ever made. I think it was wonderful. Yeah. Huh. Of course, I'm- I'm a surfer, so naturally I think. But you went to USC, so well. But saying, just many, getting back to, yeah, yeah. to
4: what that movie, Bruce, and uh, if you're a surfer and you liked that movie, that is the the, the ultimate compliment because the previous movies were these beach b- blanket bingo, yeah, you know, yeah exactly, bull crap. <laughs> with you uh, know, Annette Funicello, uh, yeah, <laughs> like like she could surf. Yeah, these guys, Sally could, Field. these guys really could surf. Yeah, and it was real surfing in Malibu. And Milius had grown up as a surfer. It was his love. So if you, as a legitimate surfer, which you are, uh, saw realism in that film, that's what a guy like John Milius would love to hear.
3: Yeah, yeah. Interesting Mm -hmm. thing about Steve, too. uh, Because he went to USC and played some ball down there and is very much, you know, that's a part of your heritage – I would be interested in hearing what you have to say about what's been going on with their their football program because it looks like it's on the rise again as we speak they're getting ready to play University of California who they've really had the the upper hand but uh, it seems like they're finally getting maybe out of the out of the morass and the mess they've been in for the last, uh, you know, decade or so.
4: I'm going to withhold judgment on that. Um <laughs> the you know the standards for USC are so high. You know, uh, we don't I mean we've just we've won so much and we we expect such such great things. You know that you really have to ask yourself is USC really still a great football program and was is what Pete Carroll did an anomaly of sorts a one off because they weren't very good before him mm. and they're not very good since him.
3: But they were good you know for many many years well, in the 60s yes, and 70s but, but that, that was a long, that's a long, time, a ago. long time ago. I ago, mean,
4: yeah. you know, my youth, my my You know, my my, when I was eight years old, I, I, (laughs) you know, I was OJ Simpson, Simpson, the first athlete that I followed and and, and liked and rooted for. It It just started from there. Um, Oddly enough, when I entered USC, it's like I I brought a pall of mediocrity to the school. <laughs> That's I, no sooner did yeah. I enter the school than John Robinson and Marv Gu left, and they uh, went into a long tailspin. Yeah, and it wasn't until Pete Carroll that they really rallied to their level. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's interesting you talk about Pete Carroll. He's near and dear to our hearts because we grew up here in Marin, both of us, and Edward also. Mm-hmm. And Pete was a year ahead of me at Redwood, and I just marvel at how long his career has lasted, how successful it's been. And the thing that really catches my imagination. Um, with Pete Carroll is he, he's such a different kind of a coach. He's very worldly. He's very well-spoken. Um, he doesn't use all the cliches, and he seems to really relate to the athletes well, which is unusual for a guy his age who's been doing this this long.
4: There's no question that a coach can make a difference, a manager, a coach. Uh, was it Joe Madden with the Cubs? Mm. Uh, probably Terry Francona with the Indians, speaking of our current World Series. There are guys out there who make a difference. It's Everybody works long hours. Everybody knows the game. And the X's and O's, there is just something about some guys. And there's a handful of them, and Carroll is one of them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Carroll yeah. is one of them. Belichick. Pete Carroll and, and, you know. Well, it seems like P- certain players, they, they
2: or certain coaches, they, they're fun to play for. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess even Bochi seems like they, yeah. the well, players just love yeah, him. And- yeah,
4: Edward, but, you know, you ha- it has to be in you. You, you, yeah. you. you have to be who you are. That is who gotcha. Pete Carroll is. He's not forcing that. Yeah. And anybody who comes along and tries to be Pete Carroll Mm-hmm. and be this personality, and it's not them. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's see, gonna be, players will see right through this, that. They'll yeah. see right through it. So a Belichick as it is, or a Saban, mm-hmm. neither yeah. one is at all like Pete Carroll. They have their style, and yeah. it works for them.
3: Yeah, I remember John Madden when he was coaching. He said, I used to have three rules, show up on time, Uh, You know, listen when I'm talking to you and play like heck on Sunday. And that was it. And the Raiders were kind of that way back in the 1970s. I mean, they were free spirited, and it works. It doesn't always work, but it sometimes does. If you give men or women the responsibility and you say, hey, look, I'm going to treat you as an adult, I'm going to tell you what to do. And I'm expecting you to do it. I don't want to have to to be a camp counselor here. And, and it, yeah. of course,
2: they could, they could show up on time. But if they partied the night before, they might not show up.
3: <laughs> well, they show <laughs> up a little bleary, little yeah, bleary, bleary eyed, yeah, yeah, like Kenny Stabler after having like four or five shots of blackberry brandy. You know, a <laughs> little different story back in the day. Yeah, you know. But I, that's the thing about I love about sports, and I think Steve does too, and I'm sure you do. Edward, are the personalities, the the uh, the stories that we we get to tell and, and hear here. And you know you don't really get to be a part of that until you really have gone to the games and sat down with these athletes and sat down with these coaches. And I know Steve, you spent a lot of time with some people. You got to know Barry Bonds, for instance, very very well, didn't you? Yeah, you, know, you guys wrote a book together, and I guess at the end it it, it t- turned out to be your book, but it, he he did help you out a lot at the beginning.
4: Yeah, it was that was a very interesting situation in which I <clears throat> had just been hired by the San Francisco Examiner in the final the final throes of the old examiner, if you will. And I arrived in San Francisco, having lived in Los Angeles for many years, even though I'm from up here, and I would observe Bonds and the writers with this kabuki type of atmosphere, and they would dance around him, and no one wanted to touch him, and and he seemed to despise everybody. You like the only guy who seemed to be able to get any kind (laughs) of a quote from him. And I – he didn't know who I was, but one day I told him that I was good friends with Charles Scott, speaking oh, yeah, of into sure. High School. Sure, yeah. Charles happened to be his um, – I used to be up, buy beer for, for him uh, with fake ID. <laughs>
2: yes. Wait, hold, hold on a second. Hold on to that thought because yeah. we're going we're gonna to okay. cut to a break and I want you to continue okay. uh, the story. All right. Here we go. Here's our first commercial break. We're talking about baseball records. Pitcher Wes Farrell of the American League set a record for hitting 38 home runs as a pitcher when he retired in 1941. A career Cleveland Indian pitcher almost broke this record when he hit 37 before retiring in 1958. Who was this Hall of Fame pitcher that missed it by that much, according to uh, Bob Eucher? All right, stay with us. Sports Econ 101. I'll be right back.
10: eight800 480 5708
9: Rebuild or replace transmission, thirty two hundred dollars. And I lock brake system, a thousand dollars. Rebuild or replace engine, twenty four hundred dollars. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from TOCO Warranty. Unlike other companies, with TOCO, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At TOCO, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call toco warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs prices vary by vehicle but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month a toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs monthly payments are very affordable get your free quote now call toco at 800-222-2313 that's 800-222-2313 800-222-2313 cancellation fee may apply subject to eligibility not available in missouri and washington waiting period and deductible apply coverage provided and administered by Warranty corporation or its affiliates not affiliated with
11: your process lower your monthly mortgage payments save your home and your credit but you must act now call 800-274-7312 800-274-7312 not available in all states paid non-attorney spokesperson
2: welcome back to sports econ 101 again i'm edward brown your host along with bruce mcgowan and our special guest steve travers here is our first trivia question pitcher wes Farrell of the american league set a record for hitting 38 home runs as a pitcher when he retired in 1941 I assume he didn't do that in all. That was his career, not in one year. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. career Cleveland Indian pitcher almost broke this record when he hit 37 before retiring in 1958. Who was this Hall of Fame pitcher that missed it by that much?
3: Well, Steve and I were speculating, and it might have been one of the guys who pitched in that great 54 team, like a maybe an early win, although he didn't retire in 58. No, he retired later. He was so, still pitching. Yeah, so it might have been maybe uh, Mike Garcia or Bob Lemon. you got to choose one i go Lemon. Yeah. Lemon, that is
4: correct. Very good.
3: Very good, good.
4: Very good. I, I, I recall that Lemon was a great hitter. Yeah. Lemon, in fact, uh, played in a famous high school all-star game um, that featured Jackie Robinson, and Ted Williams, and Bob Lemon. Wow. I mean, it was, wow. Okay. You know.
3: I got to know Bob Lemon a little bit when I worked in New York in 1981. He took over in the middle of the strike season of '81 when Gene Michael was fired. And what a character he was! He had this big red nose because he was a heavy drinker, but he had some great baseball stories. What yeah. a what a character! Long Beach
2: Poly High, I think.
3: Is that right? Yeah. Of
2: course, back then, pitcher they didn't have the uh, DH, no. so the pitchers yeah. hit. And, yeah, yeah, yeah back course. in the fifties.
3: Yeah. Anyway, you were telling yeah. this story, Steve, about about Barry Bonds, yeah. and continue, would you please? Because Barry oh. Bonds to me is one of the most enigmatic characters one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen, but there's still a lot of people in the media who just discount him because of the steroid use. And I, I know you got to be pretty close to him for a while. I did, in a sense. I was around him a lot. We never were friends, but we were friendly. But you got to work with him pretty closely. Tell us more.
4: Well, it was because I was friends with Charles Scott, and he's one of Charles' best friends, and he's continued to be very close friends with Charles. In the, yeah, because they were roommates in, in They were roommates. Yeah. Charles is, it was a tremendous player um, yeah. and a basketball player as well big tall powerhouse athlete yeah. one of the best athletes in the history of marin county superstar at arizona state years in the indians and the twins organizations but, um, but he
2: never made it to the big he, week, he,
4: he? he is all charles to me i know him very well to this day yeah. and he still runs um travel ball yeah uh, based out of marin catholic and he's got a program over in downtown san rafael and bonds will go there in the offseason he had alex rodriguez being mentored under his program a year and a half or so ago and to me when i think of how good you have to be to make it to the top in sports whether it's any sport baseball basketball football track whatever to be the best to be at the very best i look at charles scott because if charles scott couldn't get there that tells me how good you have to be because he was absolutely outstanding Uh, bob milano who i worked for uh at the university of california said he was the best pitcher that he ever his teams ever faced at least at the time that i was coaching at cal
5: Wow! so you you had that entree then i had
4: that entree and so uh, barry uh loved charles and if I was okay with Charles, I was okay with Barry. And next thing I knew, I'm sitting on that Barca lounger in <laughs> Bonds's in, at Bonds's locker where he occupied the whole section. Yeah, you know that's it well, right, that's <laughs> right. Oh yeah. And Scott Osler and Bruce Jenkins and Henry Shulman and and uh, the guy Bud Garachi and all these guys who've been there for a million years. Are, Who is this guy?
5: Yeah.
4: Well, we're sitting there with bonds. Oh, I know they, it they, up. Were,
3: they resented you.
4: I think, yeah, yeah. I think they did. Yeah. And, and it, so it kind of was. I just sort of—they kind of turned their back on me a little bit. And so I would hang out with you. And Marty Lurie Marty and, and Lurie, Schrader. Yes. I got it. John Schrader. And John Schrader. And we'd sit there <laughs> yeah. doing. This was great. But we, we, we would sit there doing movie imitations <laughs> yeah. during the oh, game. During the I, game. I, now I've heard Bruce
2: do a lot of imitations, but I haven't done. I haven't heard you do them. Oh, oh yeah. We, who we, who we, can you do?
4: Oh, uh, what? What? Um, what could Khrushchev be thinking? I don't know if this letter was written by Khrushchev of the Politburo. (laughs) Bobby, I want you to go talk to your friend, the Russian ambassador. I have to know who wrote this letter. I <laughs> gotta
3: say JFK JFK hey, not, yeah, bad, from not the, bad from
4: the from the missiles of October missiles of October with William with William Devane is Devane John F Kennedy <laughs> and uh, Martin Sheen is as, uh, as Bob that's
3: right that's very well, good I
4: can, I, yeah. I can do James
3: Stewart yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's just crazy that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> well you got now you got the book started with Bonds and it yeah. was published but eventually you guys kind of split up what happened there how why he did, did he. He had somebody else actually write a book with him. No, but it was a different book. No,
4: he never he never wrote another one. Oh, uh, in okay. fact, to this day, I mean, I've sent him letters that hey, you know, your story has really never been told. Yeah, and your story should be told with your words or your perspective, and that would get me off the dime. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. That yeah. would be a bestseller. I. Right? But uh, it it we had uh, the publishing offers were not to Barry's. Uh, he, it just wasn't enough money. Wasn't enough money. Wasn't you know. enough. Money. Nine I figures
2: had, was just not enough. <laughs> well,
4: you know, I, I had, I was at that time, I was represented by the William Morris Agency out of New York, oh, yeah. and my first reaction was, this is going to be a bidding war, and yeah. uh, people did not want to touch Barry Bonds. He had a just bad speak, reputation, toxic for, reputation, yeah, yeah. For, for being hard to work with. Yeah. And he's not going to do the the book tour, and he's going to, ah, you know. Gotcha. Um, and I couldn't convince them, and maybe I didn't have a big enough name, maybe if it had been Bruce Jenkins or, uh, you know, the, one of the really great writers of that time, Jaeger, Don Jaeger. I don't know who it might have been that mm. could have commanded that kind of an of, of a, of a advance, but it wasn't me, and we didn't get it, and we, uh, Barry, uh, Barry dropped out
3: of the Such project. an interesting guy, though. I mean, Barry Bonds to me, one of the most complex individuals, very, very intelligent, very very bright, but moody, uh, surly, um, egotistical, and yet you're, you could. There were times where he he showed great uh, consideration and kindness. It just it totally floored me. What was your impression of some of the things that you you saw, you know, in dealing with Barry Bonds on a regular basis?
4: Um, well, I remember he related to me a story about how he had to uh, get his daughter. Uh, enrolled at a private school down in you know san carlos or wherever it was he was she was going to school and you know he went into detail about how how difficult it was and had he couldn't do it on person he had to do it on the internet and this that and the other thing and i was very humanized him but you know barry i mean he's had a chip on his shoulder if you go back to when he was at sarah high and he was not in uh, drafted in the first round i think he was second or third round and he the giants lowballed him you know they i think the giants felt like this guy has an attitude and and at the time his dad had a big drinking problem mm. and all that stuff carried with him you know there always was this sense that he's not getting the respect mm. that um he thought he deserved and he just carried that with him and and, and it it always showed um But, yes, he was, uh, you know, I mean, he grew up he grew up different from anybody else in terms of his dad and Willie Mays and and all that kind of thing. But uh, a a talent as good. A player, Bruce Edward, is I've as good an athlete as I've ever watched with with these eyes. Mays is before my time. Mantle, you know, um, you can talk. Michael Jordan, yeah. a guy who dominated. Few people have ever dominated the game of baseball like that. It's baseball is a hard game to dominate. He dominated yeah. the game by affecting the pitch, the pitch count. He, it, his true. effect was on guys hitting three places before him and four places after. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah, because yeah,
2: you, you've mentioned before, Bruce, about you know the, how many times he'd get intentionally walked. He might
4: only see one good
2: pitch.
3: Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. one or two good pitches a game, and usually he'd do something with <laughs> yeah. that one well, or two good pitches. As,
4: as a former pitcher, it wasn't just the fact that he was intentionally walked. He was probably causing a pitcher to throw as many as 8 to 10 to 11 extra pitches in an inning that he was batting. Mm. And that has a of cumulative effect psychologically and physically on the pitcher. And they're in, they're throwing out of the, they're not throwing out of the windup. They're throwing out of the The stretch, uh, stretch got runners on. It's just the pressure is, is, is always on. And he caused that constantly, even if he didn't hit a home run. Yeah.
3: I'm, I'm curious. That's if, a very good point. Yeah, I'm curious what you guys, both of you guys, think about this because I've always said, I don't care. I, I realize the guy did steroids and he probably wouldn't have set the record because he wouldn't have been able to play as much and recover from the injuries. But he's, you still have to hit the baseball. Exactly. You still have to hit the baseball. Yeah, maybe he hit it further because he was stronger. But to me, I, I just can't discount. What Barry Bonds did just because he took no—it's still a
2: hand-eye coordination. Yeah. But I don't know how much steroids would affect that part
3: well, of it. And a lot of people do. I mean, I know a number of journalists who just will never give Bonds his due, and I think well, that's unfortunate. I, I,
2: I think part of it is because if I'm—I'm I'm, going to guess, okay? If I'm—if I'm in that camp, mm. I would say, well, it's not just so much what he—he he did, but for the players who didn't do it, mm. what what would they have done had they done it?
3: Or you, know what, also, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. And yeah. also, be, you know, Steve was mentioning his personality was kind of prickly. And that put people off. Yeah. And let's face it, you know, we like guys. Tony Gwynn was just beloved by the media because he was always agreeable and always accessible. Yeah. Kirby Puckett was yeah. one of the most popular players in the history of the game and really probably shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. He only played 10 years, mm-hmm. but he put up great numbers. Barry Bonds is never going to get in the Hall of Fame because of steroids. And it's, to me, it's, it's a sham. I don't know. Well, That's so just what about
2: the Pete Rose? We've talked about that before, too. Another guy should be in there. Yeah. Every yeah.
4: one of those guys should be. I think they all should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I think, frankly, yeah. the, I, there should be one big fell swoop. Let's put. That's a good point. Rose, Sosa, Bonds, Clemens, Palmero, uh, McGuire. And take Cobb out because <laughs> he wasn't a very nice guy. <laughs> take Cobb out and, and then put Chulis Joe Jackson. Uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Chulis yeah, Joe. Yeah. just yeah. have one big. Uh, you know, special induction of this, of the Black Sox Hall of Fame. Time. That's yeah. actually not a bad idea. That's I mean, a great idea, yeah, yeah. A great yeah. idea actually. Yeah, like okay. That. It's to good gonna... an idea to actually be impl- implemented. Of course. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's our uh,
2: second trivia question again. I'm, and I'm going to give you an, e- I don't say it's a softball one, but it's, this one's easier. The, se- the The last question I think is a little harder. All right, we got to prepare you guys ahead of time. All right, St. Louis Cardinal Bob Gibson was a Cy Young winner in 1968. He had an amazing ERA of 1.12, which set a modern-day National League uh, season record. Which American League Cy Young Award winner threw a lower ERA in the 1980s? All right, don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back as Steve is looking to the heavens for the answer.
5: (laughs)
6: This is
9: Carrie Cooper for Guitar Center's Focus on Rock. Shop for the greatest music gear on earth at GuitarCenter.com. For film lovers, it's that moment in the movie when the song starts playing and the scene takes on a kind of new and more memorable life. As rock music lovers, many of us will most likely have our favorite movie moments when a song took our breath away. How about Pulp Fiction's Twist Contest, or the moment Meatloaf roared his motorcycle into Dr. Frankenverter's lab? Join me, Carrie Cooper, over at FocusOnRock.com for a deep dive into rock music in movies.
10: This holiday season, Guitar Center is your best gift ever center. With deals like a Schecter Demon 6 guitar for just $349, a Blackstar 40-watt combo amp 149 or an American Audio PA for $129. Save up to 25% on gear in every department. And make spirits bright for every musician on your list. Merry
5: Christmas and Happy New
10: Year! Guitar Center's holiday kickoff, going on now, in-store and online.
2: I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan and our special guest, Steve Travers, who was not only an author, but a pitcher, too. Okay, St. Louis Cardinal Bob Kisson was a Cy Young winner in 1968. He had an amazing ERA of 1.12, which, uh, if I remember correctly... They lowered the mound afterward because That's right. they <laughs> people did. going this yes, is boring is a little bit too yeah. boring after that. Yeah. Okay, uh, that set the modern day National League season record. Which American League Cy Young Award winner threw a lower ERA in the
3: 1980s? I'm going to say it was some kind of a relief pitcher. You know, I'm I'm thinking of, of starters that were prominent at that time. Roger Clemens was coming along. You had Dave Steeb and and Jack Morris, but you you mentioned a name there, Steve, that kind of intrigued me. I think you said Willie Hernandez. I think I
4: think the answer is Willie Hernandez, but I don't think Hernandez qualified to lead the league in ERA, which is kind of a a, a sticking point on that issue. Well, well, the one hint I will give you is you are correct that it is a reliever.
3: Uh but it's not Willie Hernandez.
4: Well, how about, it wasn't Willie Hernandez. wasn't Raleigh Fingers it was in 1981. Yeah, Raleigh Fingers? He didn't have for,
2: enough. For, uh, Mil- I think he was playing for Milwaukee. For Milwaukee, Milwaukee, in, Milwaukee in a strike.
4: And he also yeah. won the MVP award. It was a strike-shortened season in 1981.
3: Yeah. Wow. And they did win the pennant the next year. The Brewers have only won one pennant since they've uh, yes. since they moved from Seattle, and that was in 1982. Which, Har- right. Harvey's wallbangers with yes, Harvey, right. Harvey Keene. <laughs> which,
2: by the way, I still haven't forgiven baseball for 1981 or 1994. I think it oh, was. the strike when, that uh, was awful. Stri- at least that's in '81 yeah. they
3: came back mm-hmm. and played. In '94 they didn't. That's right, my, uh, Matt. There
2: were a bunch Ugh. of records that could have been, broke. been, been broken.
3: Matt get, Williams. Don't even get on? me started. Uh, yeah. oh, it, it wrecked my uh, time at broke up
4: broke up a business that I had. I was a sports agent. I mean, it was probably in a up being the best thing for me but i'm
2: st- i still can't forgive cleveland for getting rid of the cleveland spiders, <laughs>
4: <laughs> cleveland <laughs> spiders. With denton true Cy that's young. right oh my God. <laughs> you're really bringing back some. that's that's how he got the name side because uh. he was pitching for the cleveland spiders and he threw a ball so hard that it broke the it broke the backstop and someone happened upon the field and said, looks like a cyclone hit this My place. Name yeah. right. them, well, My name is Cy Young. he started calling him. My name is Cy Young. And, he, and well, otherwise, actually a cyclone, and he uh, it up to <laughs> <you> Cy. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, you got to – here's Denton True Young. Yeah, Denton yeah, True exactly. Young Starting pitcher for the Who's, cyclone. <laughs> who will never –
3: has a record that will never be broken. Too. 511 wins. Those records. Wow. They are forget DiMaggio's
4: – 56 yeah, exactly. games. There are records yeah. from those early days that are impossible. Yeah. Like yeah. 511 career that, wins. That's, that's, that's the one I think. Yeah. That Walter Johnson, 110 strikeouts. Jack Chesbro, no, 41 wins. 110. 110
2: shutout. strikeouts. No, I mean, I can see No, the- 110 shutouts. Shutouts. Shutout. I mean, Okay, that that one's a tough one. But uh, 511 wins. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I just I, I you just can't it Well, how yeah. about Christy can't.
3: Mathewson? Three shutouts in the 19, I think it was the 1905 World Series yeah. against the A's. I mean
5: that, right. uh, that, three that could be could, I can see could, that being that But I mean
2: 511 wins. I mean, Oof. imagine you got to win 25 games which hardly
4: anybody ever
2: for 20 does. years for 20 years straight. Yeah. Yeah. I, for As John
4: McKay would say, Uh, He's a math major.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of John McKay, you mentioned USC, and and Steve is from, he's a USC alum. And one of the books you wrote that really intrigued me was the one that you wrote about the game, the famous game played in, I believe, in 1970 between Alabama and USC. And speaking of which, you uh, actually went down to Dallas for some kind of reunion between those two teams.
2: First, give us a heads up for for those of us who, uh, for those of them in the (laughs) audience who are too young to remember the 1970 game. What was so exciting about it?
4: It was a game between uh, um, a completely segregated Alabama Crimson Tide team and a very integrated USC team. The two coaches were Bear Bryant and John McKay, and they were good friends. And the game was essentially organized as a, shall we say, a demonstration to the fans in Birmingham, Alabama, that blacks and whites can play football on the same field, and it's not going to be a riot.
2: And that's 1970. I mean, it didn't... uh Come the nineteen fifties,
5: well, who, who, who won talking, the Heisman? Yeah, um, or, uh, yeah
2: the, or,
4: but you were talking the Deep South. Well,
2: this
5: was this
4: yeah. was you know obviously sports had had integrated long before yeah. that, but not in the deep deep South, okay. not at the collegi- not Allegiant, at the collegiate yeah. level. You still had. Um, you know, the Houston Oilers and the Atlanta Falcons were professional teams in the South and the Houston Astros, yeah. but this was um, a different, um, horse of a different color. <laughs> no, pun anyway, yeah. no pun intended. No pun intended, but anyway, what happened is USC went down there, won handily, and um it was it, it. fit in well with Bryant's plans and allowed him to successfully integrate his program, which he did. And soon they looked like everybody else, and they, they got better than they ever had well, been.
2: Four years earlier, you had uh, the, which is now UTEP, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Western, come on, who is the Western? Western Texas. Western Texas. Texas Western. Texas Western. Um, you know, which they made the movie B, B, out of Kentucky. Yeah, yeah.
3: and and to Kentucky was all white. And interestingly enough, Pat Riley played on that Kentucky. Yeah, team. right. But they and, started an all black. Right. F- yeah. F- yeah. That five, that, you know?
4: that so had an effect too. But this was yeah. Alabama, and this was Bear Bryant, and yeah. so okay. the gotcha. the stakes were higher. Interesting. And the
3: Bear interesting. Bryant though would be the one. You know, because he w- he was always, from what I heard, an avowed racist, but then he changed that, his tune. That, that is right? not, that, that that's is, not true? No, it's no. completely
4: untrue. Okay. Right. I actually once wrote that and got a, in fact, a phone call from an Alabama alum You know, not who true, really no. accused me of being a you know a left-wing liberal from California. And, <laughs> and
2: for those who don't know, Steve is definitely not a left-wing liberal. <laughs>
4: but I didn't. But I, I kind of assumed that. But yeah. no. And yeah. I, I can tell you just about Bear Bryant. Um, you know, he... He served in the navy. Uh, he managed a blues band. Uh, one of his best friends, as a child, was black. Mm. He came from mm. he came from nothing. He, he so he he empathized with the downtrodden. He oh, came from a very very poor, dirt poor background. So he empathized. He tried to integrate Kentucky and Maryland before he came to um, and Texas A and M. He tried to integrate oh. and he was unable to do it and it took him 10 years to be able to do it at Alabama and he couldn't do it until George Wallace was out of office but uh. he wanted to do it anybody and he, and and as proof of that he told Look magazine as early as 1965 that integration was coming to the conference and he would be the he he said he would be the branch rookie of oh,
2: interesting.
3: Football. Wow! I never, you know, I never thought of Bear Bryant as being one of these pathfinders, but uh, yeah. yeah, just here I mean, we go. I saw
2: Forrest Gump, and I didn't see that in there. Yeah, <laughs> he, well, it, you know,
4: a lot of these kinds of things end up being. Um, Oh, a Nixon goes to China, sort of. Uh, yeah. so, you know, like Lyndon Johnson was a was a Southerner who yeah. probably opened up civil rights yep. in politics
3: more yeah. than more than anybody. More else. than his predecessors,
4: yeah. more than his liberal predecessors. Very true. Very true.
3: I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with Kennedy getting assassinated, and Johnson wanted yeah. something to sort of memorialize the, the late president. But he through his fur, just through his force of will, and and Johnson was one of those kind of uh, politicians who would grab you by the the. The, the, the collar you know, the collar and sort of get right in your face and he he was kind of a bully but he got things done very much a yeah but you had
2: uh, Martin yeah. Luther
3: King was really on the rise yeah and that wasn't so. easy for LBJ getting off on a tangent here about that but that was not easy for LBJ because while well, he was kind of sympathetic at the same time he wanted to go slowly and King did not want that to happen so but that is interesting what you're talking about 1970 and, and and You, you know,
4: your, that was your senior year in high school. school, yeah, yeah, and they were
3: still not integrated, but they were so, shortly after that, Alabama was. Yeah, well, they did immediately.
4: Yeah. They had integrated. They had a recruit named Wilbur Jackson who oh, yeah. 49er fans would, would fondly yeah. recall, and he was a freshman, but at that time freshmen were ineligible to play varsity ball. Mm-hmm. He was in the stands that day, and there were several recruits um, that were being Wooed by Bryant at that time, who black players in in Alabama.
3: Huh. Who were some, some, of of, some of the players that G- played in that game, Steve? Some of the noteworthy. Well,
4: um, for for John Hanna, for instance, was an All Pro. Oh yeah. Uh, who, oh, yeah. St- and Scott Hunter who was a good quarterback for mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers. A pretty good friend of mine these days. Sam Bam Cunningham for oh, the yeah. Trojans. Clarence Davis, who was later a great Forty Nine er. Great Raider. Great Raider. Raider uh, you know. Bob Chandler, another oh, yeah. a Bill and a Raider. Um, a lot of John Vella played in that oh, yeah. game. Oh, yeah. sure. A Go lot on. of Raiders. a lot of great players played yeah. in that game from for both sides. Wow. I mean, Sam Bam Cunningham, I'm thinking earlier, but
2: New no, England Patriots.
4: no, he was a sophomore in his yeah. first varsity game ever. I'm thinking yeah. of Sammy Baugh. No, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's going, going back to the Sling Slinging Sammy. Sammy, that's what it Sling was. And yeah. Sammy Boy, there was Sa- a... Sam Bam Cunningham yeah. too. <laughs> talk about a horse of a different color. What was it,
3: what was that, what was it like, by the way, uh, talking to all those guys after all these years? Oh later. my God, it was
4: well. In terms in terms of the um, symposium that I did, it was in Dallas, and we were all there for the USC Alabama game. And we had Alabama people. We had a lot of black people from Alabama, you know, who, you know, really. Looked upon this as this watershed moment that that had given them their opportunities, um, and you had these old timers from USC and a lot of people, in the, a lot of people who who were there. Um, and we raised ninety thousand dollars for African American scholars, hmm. so it was a great cause. And it was just, it was just such a great, great day until. Game started. (laughs) (laughs) Now I wonder how many Alabama
2: players were racist at that time. You know, and I Um, can't get the feeling they soften up over time. You
4: know, the the racism really was um, institutional. um, Hmm. Old time guys, old line World War Two guys. Hmm. The coaching staff was not. The players were not racist. These guys were. These guys were looking at the Vietnam War. They were looking at the draft. They were. I'll give you an, a, a good example. One of my good friends, Keith Donovan. And Keith entered junior high around 1973. And he had older brothers. Mm-hmm. And he lived, in, he lived mm-hmm. in Alabama. He went to the University of Alabama. And, and he said, my older brothers were not racists, but they had no black heroes. I, on the other hand, grew up watching Wilbur Jackson and John Mitchell and Sylvester Croom and great black athletes. I I didn't care what color they were. I just knew that they were. They played for the tide. I I love Willie Mays. Willie Mays is my favorite. So if you have here, if you had heroes who uh, didn't look like you, but. They yeah. played your sport, and exactly. that's what, that yeah. was what you related to. So that was, that was the difference between his um, impressions and his older Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah. I, mean I, I was a big O.J. Simpson fan when he came out of USC playing for the Bills. Because yeah. he was a great be, player. How could, how could you not be? Any of San, yeah. And,
3: of course, we're a Bay Area. All three of us are Bay Area natives, and O.J.'s a San Francisco guy. So that's kind of a neat little sideline to it. But you
2: know what's funny? I didn't know that when I was a kid. I just, really? No, oh. I just watched him play, and, and then later on I, I uh, really appreciated how good Barry Sanders
4: was.
3: Oh, All boy. Right. That was fun. I, I worked uh, briefly with a guy named Joe Angel who has been mm-hmm. the voice of the Baltimore mm-hmm. Orioles for many, sure. many years with John Miller. Great announcer. A very fun announcer. And Joe's from Galileo High, and he right. and OJ actually played in the same backfield together in high school. Well, about
4: my that? my father uh, knew O.J. and was one of his mentors. My father taught a class at City College of San Francisco. Really? And um, I'm told had some uh, influence in O.J. choosing to go to USC wow. because he was he was going to go to Arizona State. And there were some people there uh, who along with Marv Gu from USC who said, no, you really need to stay at city college for one more year and get your grades up get i think he needed to get an aa degree
5: yeah. to get
4: into sc gotcha and uh, pull his grades up from a you know he'd been a d student he had to get up you know he had to have two years as a c student or something along those lines mm-hmm. a state was willing to you know
2: let, just yeah, wave that uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right
4: guys we're gonna go to our last commercial
2: break here ready this is old baseball old baseball babe ruth never won a triple crown in his career but came close twice. In 1924, he led in home runs and batting average, but finished second to Goose Gosselin of Washington in RBIs. In 1926, he led in home runs and RBIs, but was runner-up by .006 to the batting title. Who made Ruth miss just miss the Triple Crown in 1926 by that much? Wow. That's our question. All right? All right. Don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101 is going to be right back with some closing comments.
1: Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Welcome back to
2: Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host. Last time for today, because we're going to be doing some closing comments. Bruce McGowan is my co-host and our special guest, Steve Travers. You, do, I, do I call you author Steve Travers? Is that okay? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here was our third and final trivia question. Babe Ruth never won a triple crown in his career, but came close twice. In 1924, he led in home runs and batting average, but finished second to Goose Goslin of Washington in RBIs. In 1926, he led in home runs and RBIs, but was runner-up by .006 to the batting title. Who made Ruth just miss the triple crown in 1926 by that
3: much? Got a, got an answer on that one, Steve? I'm, I'm sort of stumped. I'm thinking. I don't Mitch. know for
4: sure, but I'm going to take an educated guess. I know Harry Heilman of the Tigers was a great hitter of that era.
3: No. Al Simmons? No. Mm-hmm.
2: A guy named Heine Manouche. Oh, Heine Manouche. He was actually. A Washington Senators.
3: Very, very good hitter. I don't know if he's in the Hall yeah. of Fame, but he yeah. was close. Yeah, was, I know who he is. Yeah. Uh, Heine I, I knew you
2: know the name, but. Uh, what Manoush a sure what that name! That comes yeah, yeah, you don't get more Jewish than that, do you? <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess not. Yeah, yeah, it's a great name. But I guess uh, let's see. Um, God, who played for the Tigers? Hal uh, Greenberg or Hank Greenberg? Yeah, he was he was the one that he got really. Uh, um, Oh, he got uh, a lot
3: of you know what from people. Yeah, for, not not what Jack, not like what Jackie Robinson. Got, no, no, yeah. no, no. But no. a lot of discrimination yeah. on that.
2: Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to close out for today. Here's our thoughts for the day. Babe Ruth said, "Every strike brings me closer to the next home run." Mm. And Jared Kintz, who's that? Do you know who Jared Kints Jared Kentz yeah. said, "Quarterbacks shouldn't leave the pocket because that's where the money is. Every politician knows that." Uh. Of course, right around uh, Election, election Day. Yeah, yes. That's right. That's All right. right. So tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. Why? Because we're going to be giving, or actually, we're going to be asking uh, sports trivia questions. More trivia more questions. questions. That's yes. Right. Yes. From, uh, and mostly uh, doing sports topics from a business perspective. All right. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good
3: night, America. So Thank long. you.